Hello and welcome to Mac Bites episode 20. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Elaine Giles. In this episode we'll be taking a look at applications for taking screenshots but before that we've got a few things to catch up on from last week. Let's start with iPhone backups. Oh yes, the backup of my iPhone. Well, the good news is it's now faster, but then it couldn't really have got much slower, could it? But I did get a tweet from Dan who said that um, he'd started his initial backup and it started to look like it was going to take a while. And he cancelled it and uh, restarted it and it was fine. Sadly, I didn't have the courage to do that. So uh, I left mine going, but uh, all's well that ends well. And it's not taken as long for me either now. It's taking about you know 30 seconds, I think. So um, I've left the option uh, off for that backup disabler. 30 seconds, yeah. Fast to me was the 10 minutes, that the longest that yours took mm. was. Yes. I also demoed Find My Phone, but I didn't have the courage to try the remote wipe. Unlike one of our listeners, Stargate John, who did. Brave, brave man. Um, sadly, it did not go well. Uh, and thus ensued a trip to the Apple store to uh, re-enable the thing. So um, the good news is the remote wipe works very, very well. And if somebody has stolen your phone, it's quite conceivable the thing will never work again. <laughs> <laughs> Which is sort of good news in a way. Well, that's what it's designed for, isn't it? But uh, It didn't say it would brick no. it, though. When you're doing a test. But I have it on good authority that it did. When you're doing a test, you don't really want that to happen, do you? Not really, but, no. But uh, I did. I tried out my uh, Find My Phone as well. And uh, you know where I work, right in the middle of the countryside. But to Google Maps, I actually pinned it down to the right street. So I was well impressed with that. But no, I wasn't brave enough to wipe it either. And this was before, John. So uh, uh, I'm glad I didn't. We're just simpering cowards. Mm. Mm. I just like things to work and just leave them alone. I, I was rather impressed that it managed to find itself. And that was enough for me. That amused me for, for hours. That amused me for minutes once I found it worked. I was quite happy. <laughs> you know, they come out with all these new features, don't they? And you've got to try them. I was reading a review in uh, one of the uh, newspapers today and um, they gave it a thumbs down for Find My Phone because it's part of Mobile Me and you need to pay for it. But I thought if you'd lost your phone, you'd willingly pay for it retrospectively and it won't work then. So um, I've got Mobile Me, so I'm not particularly worried. It's a thumbs up from me. It does yeah, work. Yeah, it's thumbs up from me. I suppose it's like insurance in a way, isn't it? It is. You, you don't like paying for it until you need it. Uh, and other good news, uh, the mobile allowance application is now back in the App Store. Not that it ever left my App Store. It was everybody else's that it disappeared from. Um, so that was the application that allows you to check your remaining minutes on O2 without having to text uh, 21 to O2. So, um, but now I've trained my father to text, I won't be confusing the issue with adding an application into the mix. But for those who do, it's back. Yeah, it'll save him all of, uh, what, 59 pence? Yes, but I'm saving him from himself and myself from more technical support. Mm. Mm. Anyway, talking of App Store, uh, didn't I hear you've been spending money in the App Store this week? Yeah, I decided to splash out uh, £2.99, I think it was. Last and, of the big spenders. Yeah, and buy Documents to Go. Now that was, I have heard of. Yeah, it was originally a Palm app and it allows you to view Word documents um, and Excel documents, PowerPoint documents, PDFs. And it also allows you to create and edit Word documents. Now it can sync across multiple Macs, so I've tried it out on both my desktop and my MacBook. 
and it allows you to access files that are stored on the phone uh, or those that live on both the desktop uh, and the phone. It's not without its issues though. It does support iWork 08 documents but not 09. And there seems to be quite a lot of these apps that uh, don't support 09. I don't know what the, what the issue is. I think they changed the complete file format. Isn't one of them a package and the other isn't? I don't know which way around it is, but I it's something to do with that. Pages has always been a package, hasn't it? I'm not sure about the others. Um, I don't actually use it that much, but I think that the fact that one or other is a package is the issue. And some can view them, but you've got to save a preview. Right. It's uh, also not got any support for editing Excel files, although I understand that is actually coming in a, a shortly to be released version. They have actually had quite a while to sort themselves out with this, though. The App Store's been there 12 months, so I'm quite surprised at that. Mm. I, you know, I think it could be quite difficult anyway to edit uh, Excel files on your tiny little um, iPhone screen, but uh, there you go. It's, as I said before, it's one of those things where, you know, for two or three pounds, it's it's worth playing around with, I think. This is how they sell these things. Mm. Oh, it's not, it's not expensive. I'll buy it anyway. Yeah, I'm a sucker, aren't I? You are. <laughs> Born, born every minute, as they say. Mm. Um, it's, it also uses its own cut and paste mechanism, uh, which apparently isn't compatible with the uh, operating system with uh, OS 3. That also indicates it's been in development for a while then. Yeah. Um, so you can't actually copy and then paste into another app. It all works in, inside itself. That's not good. The pinch and zoom works well with PDFs and not Word, although Word does have its own icons for zooming. Mm. But it's one of those things. I mean, you you know, I use Microsoft Office at work, and I thought, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy this app, uh, and I'm going to use it at work. We've got a team meeting coming up, so what I did is I copied the files off our work network using a good old pen drive, stuck on the MacBook, and then I synced, and so it meant for the team meeting that I had copies of the minutes and the agenda and my presentations on a phone. Of course, my colleagues probably thought that I was texting and twittering and not concentrating on the meeting, whereas in fact I was actually sitting there reading my documents on my iPhone. With rapt attention, I'm sure. Of course. But your meetings don't half go on, so um, I'd opt for the twittering myself. Mm, well, it's not the first time I've done it, but shh. <laughs> Didn't hear it here. No, we'll cut that bit out. We'll yeah. All in all, for two or three pounds, two pound ninety nine actually. Uh, it, although that's on offer until the thirtieth of June, and they haven't actually said what the price will be after that. I think it's quite a good app. You won't be saying that if it goes down to one ninety nine. No, but uh, <laughs> the the other one is uh, Quick Office, isn't it? And I think that is quite a bit more expensive. So you went for the cheap and cheerful one, and you wait for the upgrades. Yes. Oh, fair enough then. Well, I've been spending in the App Store too. Uh, I bought One Password Pro. Yeah, I bought it. Um, I bought it because you said so. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you tell me and the listeners why? Um, I was completely led astray by Jane uh, on Twitter and she gave the fantastic reason of why I needed it, which was because. Because so what? Exactly, just just be told. She, she's a, a woman and she said because, so don't ask questions. I uh, know, seriously. One Password is a company that uh, I trust and I think that's the issue with it. And um, they put a blog post out. I was quite confused when I got the original mail. I thought, I'm not sure what you're 
telling me is available to, to purchase here because I thought the phone app was free and I've got a desktop one and I know version 3 is coming out but it's not available yet so what's this purchase business what's this pro one um, and they, they tried to explain it in the original blog post but I must admit I did find it confusing um, and I wasn't alone apparently um, but in between me being confused and the app store being overloaded and them having a special offer on it uh, and apparently the price will go up I didn't know what features were actually in it before I bought it but they're, <laughs> they're a company that I trust so <laughs> I did buy it without being 100% um, sure what the features actually were but then they put, made another blog post and they put up a comparison chart and um, all became considerably clearer um, there isn't actually many pro features in it at the moment but there were Working on it and the reason that um, it's available now uh, as a pro version without a lot of the pro features is the way the App Store works with Apple and it was all to do with having something available um, on launch of version 3 of the OS so um, I'd suggest that you go and have a look at the uh, comparison chart but I still prefer Jane's answer of because Something else that I looked at, I've not bought yet, although I might buy it this week, uh, is something called Flash Drive, which allows you to use the iPhone or your Touch as a flash drive. Uh, obviously, you haven't got a, a USB slot in your phone, but it's a similar idea. Uh, it includes a built-in viewer for Microsoft Office and PDF files, uh, TXT files, RTF files and HTML files. Uh, it also has support for bookmarks, so it can remember the location where you were up to when you're reading a document. And it supports other things like password protection and zipped archives. Uh, and that is also £2.99. To be honest with you, these applications all are beginning to merge into one because that sounds very similar to um, AirShare and FileMagnet that I think I had right at the beginning. Yeah, I've got those apps as well, AirShare and File Magnet, and I think you're right. Um, they all have the similarities and they all have the slight differences. But uh, I think one of the problems that um, we've found as we're testing them and, and trying them is that they all seem to be walled gardens. They all seem to store the files in their own little area of the, uh, of the phone. Yeah, and that's not the only problem. Um, I don't like the fact they're all um, their own little way of connecting. Um, one uses, um, I think it's the um, air sharing one, uses an IP address, which I had never got to work, and I must have had that application for a good six to eight months. Um, and when I gave it one last try today, would you believe it, it kicked into action and it did work. But uh, that uses an IP address, um, there's another one that needs an application on the uh, desktop or your laptop. So, um, and they're all Wi-Fi, aren't they? They are, and that's one of my problems because at work um, I haven't got Wi-Fi. So what I've had to do is I've had to buy a cheap router um, and then turn the router on uh, and it will then pick up, the, the MacBook will then pick up the, um, the wireless network, the phone will pick up the wireless network and then I can actually transfer files wirelessly. Now, the reason I don't leave the the router on all the time is because I do actually want to use the well. I wasn't. I was going to say three G, uh, but obviously it's not three G where I am. But I want to use the, um, the, the 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 phone to be able to get out to to Twitter and and web and and uh, get my email. 
and if it's connected through Wi-Fi, I can't do that. So I have actually created a private network. What I really need is to be able to sync via cable, via USB cable, and I don't know why you know none of these applications do it. Maybe it's not supported in the um, appy, because I'd imagine that somebody somewhere would have realised that you know you don't always have. Um, your own Wi-Fi network available. The other thing with these applications is they've got their own file store where I'd like them to, to access a shared file store on the computer. Um, and they don't seem to play nicely when it comes to getting information out of them either, like maybe allowing you to email something. Now, I know that Jane had one that she mentioned a while back called uh, Act Printer. And um, that enables you to print documents to your iPhone. So we've got the transfer via Wi-Fi and then we've got the IP address transfer. And now we've got transfer it by pretending to print to it. So there's lots of different ways of getting the stuff on there. And I think that one does allow you to email, but I think that's the only one I've ever heard of. Mm, so how does that work? Does it install a, as a, a, a print option? Um, it does. It's available from the you know the option that you click when you want to print to a pdf yeah well you get print to iphone available there so mm. um it, do, it does seem to work and it does seem to allow you to email it it, it emails the document out as a pdf mm. so um that's a great option to have there but it you know it's it just doesn't feel like it's all there um you have to download and install a mac component so a component that you put on your computer and then you get this print to iphone option from the drop down list and we'll put a link up to, to Jane who did um, a review of it. But um, they just, none of them seem to be there to me. They're just not all there. You know, I want seamless emailing um, or even a unified transfer method. Um, they just all seem to stem from, they all seem to have problems. And for me, it seems to be the, the size of the files that I want to read. Um, mine are PDF books, so I'm not trying to transfer huge Word files. But they are PDFs and they are books, so some of them are maybe 30 meg. They can be much, much bigger, and they just don't work. Um, I'm getting messages telling me it's running out of memory, um, even though I'm quite happy for it to you know, reload a few pages as it goes. It, it just doesn't. Um, the one that seems to work best for me is File Magnet, but that air sharing, I heard great things about it, and um, it just crashes on me constantly. So I'm not keen on all that lot, to be honest. Yeah, you made a point before that you'd like some uniform, unified data store. And whilst I was testing out AirShare and File Magnet, I actually ended up with two copies of the same document on the phone, which just goes to prove that, that they both store the, their document in within their own application, as it were. Yeah, that's exactly what I've done. I mean, I've got a 16 gig phone, so I can afford to store a 32 meg file twice, but that's not really the point. It's not ideal at all. So I'm hoping for better things in the future, either from the application developers or if they need changes to the whole system, then um, Apple, I suppose. But talking of syncing and transferring things from the desktop to the phone, um, I was really thrilled to see Delicious Library bring out a free companion version to their desktop edition. And um, I downloaded that pretty swiftly and it works perfectly. Uh, there are no bizarre hoops to jump through with that one. Um, I can link my desktop version and the iPhone version. Uh, it was really quick uh, and the, the tr file transfer, uh, you actually transfer the information. And I had quite a few items. I've got about a thousand items in Delicious Library on the desktop. 
and it took a couple of minutes but um, it didn't take anything like as long as I thought it might. Um, it's not transferring files, it's just database records. Um, Delicious Library is sort of a database application for um, all your entertainment stuff so for me it's mainly books but there's also DVDs and music in there as well and um, now I have that with me on the phone um, because I do spend an inordinate amount of time uh, in bookshops looking at books and um, I have a lot of my books are PDF ones and uh, I do have a lot of books as I'm recording now I'm looking at a huge bookcase full of books so if I'm in a bookshop I do like to know if I've got an older version of um, a specific book and uh, now I know it's on my phone and uh, I can uh, look at my database while I'm out on the road so I think that's absolutely brilliant so thumbs up to them very very good yeah I was going to say thumbs up you mentioned Agendas to me the other day oh yes uh, Agendas is out for the iPhone yeah I got the email but uh, I didn't read it because I used to use it on the on the Sony Cly but since I got the iPhone, you know, anything that comes from Agendas or um, Palm Gear, I think it is, I tend not to read their emails. Um, is this an overzealous pursuit of Inbox Zero at all? I think it is, but uh, I think we maybe can all should... do that if we don't read the mails. I think maybe I should read those emails in future, just in uh, case. Luckily, some relevance. I caught it for you. Mm. Well, on the Cly, um, I had the agenda, I had agendas on the Cly, and the interface was so much better than the built-in address book and calendar. Um, I loved it. I never really, I had an agenda virtually from the first week that I had it, so I never really used the built-in address book and calendar. And um, when the Cly needs charging and it needs the applications reinstalling, I look at the calendar and think, "Whoa, what, what's the, what's happened there?" And I realised that you know, agendas needs installing. Um, it actually accessed the same data store as the main applications, um, but apparently Apple aren't making uh, the API available to the calendar, um, according to what I read on their site, so we'll put a link to that. And um, that's why Agendas on the iPhone looks a little odd. It seems to It seems to have half of it missing compared to what you and I are used to, which is an integration of contacts and appointments and that doesn't seem to be there with this one so um i didn't dash out and purchase that one i don't know if you did no that's one that i didn't purchase on the cly i loved it uh because as you say the the interface the built-in interface to the cly's calendar and contact list uh was very very plain and this this just gives you a lot more options but sadly on the phone it doesn't look like it's going to do that May, it might do one day, in which case um, I shall revisit it then. Another problem I had with them as a company was they um, they did develop a lot. You know, they, they carried on adding features to it. But uh, instead of giving you um, a free or very cost-effective point upgrade, virtually every single thing they, they did with it, um, they expected you to repurchase. And um, that got a, a bit wearing after uh, not very long, actually, surprisingly enough. Um, I, I did sort of initially buy these upgrades and then I thought you know the, the features that you're adding there aren't, there aren't actually a lot here so I started to skip versions and I'm not sure how they do that in the app store I've noticed a trend towards giving away a free application and then instead of charging for it bringing out a pro version so um, I think I'm going to hang off that and, and see what they do with it yeah I was sent a link this week um, 
you might well uh, the person who sent it to me found it interesting i don't think we'll find it interesting for reasons we'll explain in a minute but it came from somebody uh, who i work with well who works at the same place as me called aaron uh, aaron is somebody who started following me on twitter when he uh, did the the nearby feature that you get in uh, in tweeting and and twitter and all the other um phone clients because where i work we're on a big site of about a mile in size and uh, he did that search and he found me so uh, he said so there was this... only you and three sheep was there i think there was me aaron and three sheep he's got an iphone in his uh a mac wannabe oh, but they all... uh, he sent me this link and it, it's about being able to control your apple tv from your iphone and your touch using the new version of the remote app you can actually use touch screen gestures you can flick from left to right to rewind and fast forward and you can tap the screen to pause it. That sounds absolutely fabulous. And uh, the very good reason that we won't be testing that is no, not what people are thinking, that we don't have an Apple TV. We don't have an Apple TV. Uh, but the reason that we don't have an Apple TV is we don't have a TV. So uh, that's two pretty fundamental problems there when it comes to testing that, isn't it? There is, it is, yeah. <laughs> Now, the reason we don't have a TV is because we both have an ITV. There are no arguments over who has the remote control at MacBytes HQ, are there? Mm, we each have bliss. our own. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, no, we won't be testing that one. I, it is an application that I have because that's the one that works with um, iTunes, doesn't it? Yeah. But I've never actually seen it in action with an Apple TV. And that's why. But uh, something else for people to spend their money on. Um... I had an iPhone case and you didn't, did you? And uh, my father had an iPhone case and um, he'd got one of those with the screen protectors that you stick on the, on the glass. And uh, it had done its job, but uh, it looks like um, his phone had uh, scratched across his keys and his screen protector um, was a bit damaged. So I tried to hunt down another one and they are £10 for two screen covers. That's not the case, that's just two screen protectors. Um, and I think you had to get one of those, didn't you? So um, I did. Ten pounds for two from Apple. But I found that at sevendayshop.com, for the same ten pounds, you can actually purchase four iPhone cases, four screen protectors, and four cleaning cloths, and the postage is free. So uh, that's what we did, and we all now have uh, shiny new cases, shiny new protectors, and cloths to keep them that way. So I thought they were really good. They were £2.49 for a case, a screen cover, and a cloth. So uh, we'll put a link, a link up there as well. And the interesting thing about the case was, um, it's very, very thin. It's much thinner than the case that he originally had. Um, and it clips over at the top, clips over at the bottom. It's like very, very thin rubber material. Um, but at the top, there are two extra holes, and they are where a front-facing camera would be. Mmm. Mmm. So, um, maybe, who knows, by Christmas. You heard it first said. on MacBytes. Yes. So, um, they work very well. They fit better than the uh, one that he paid considerably more for. I think uh, for the original case cover, and it didn't even have a cloth, it was £20. So, um, I was rather pleased with those. Got a bit of a bargain there. And in the vein of more good news, um, Evernote has this week announced sharing and collaboration. Uh, the sharer needs a premium account, uh, but they can share with somebody who only has the standard account. And in that case, both parties can edit it. But it must be the sharer who has the premium account. 
and it's only available initially um, via the web. And apparently Mike wants to introduce a new section into the show called Elaine's Rant. Yes, I'm looking at the show notes. I didn't see that before we started recording. Uh, my little rant was, as I was testing it out, um, I clicked the edit button and fair enough, it loaded in some sort of editor. Uh, this is my only Evernote rant of the week, by the way. This is just a minor one. Um, it loaded in the editor and I double clicked a word to make it bold and initially it selected it and then it immediately unselected it. So obviously I assumed it was me. <laughs> Silly me, of course, as if it would be me. I did it again and the same thing happened. So I'm saying this editor, you know, it isn't working properly. Um, a double click should select a word and a triple click should select a line and it didn't. So Mike said, well, have you tried it in Firefox? Well, that's when the rant started. I don't want to change my browser. I'm quite happy with Safari 4. It's bang up to date. Why would it work in Firefox if it didn't work in Safari? And just as I'd got to that point, um, Firefox loaded and I tried it. And yes, it works in Firefox, which just added fuel to my rant, really, didn't it? Mm. I just can't help it. I find Firefox slow. I always have done. Um, I used Opera on um, Windows and Safari on a Mac and, and they do just seem to be a bit quicker. Maybe it's me, but um, I find Firefox slow. So then you came up as I was mid-rant. We should have recorded that really. As I was mid-rant, you said, well, why don't you just change the um, user identification and see if that makes a difference? And I'm saying, well, it shouldn't make a difference. Either the browser's capable of doing it or it's not. So as I changed the user agent, Yes, it then worked. So um, if you do want the editor to work correctly in Evernote, you do have to get the develop menu appearing, which is in the preferences, go to the user agent and select something other than Safari. So something other than what you are. Um, I changed it to Firefox 3.0.10 and uh, it worked fine, which didn't put me in any better humour, unsurprisingly. And my other Evernote rant, yes. Oh dear, what a week I've had. Um, what was that problem I had? Oh yes, I'd um, copied and pasted some stuff from a web page or from a series of web pages and I'd uh, put them in each in separate notes in Evernote and everything was fine. Um, all the format was correct. I was quite happy with the size of it and the layout of it. Um, and I had quite a few of these notes um, that I created in this way. And then I went in and I created a new one and I went to the same website and I copied the same block of text and I pasted it in and it looked fine. So I carried on typing and as I glanced at the screen, I could see that it was saving itself. So it was automatically saving and synchronizing back to the Evernote server and all the text just disintegrated in front of me into horrendous formats. And I thought I was seeing things. So I went through and I did it again and it did it a second time. And I thought, what's going on here? So, um, I went back to some notes that I'd already got in this format and I didn't edit these notes at all. And the same thing happened to these notes. So as soon as I clicked on a note and it synchronized, all the format disappeared off it. Um, and what happened was instead of everything being on separate lines, it all wrapped round onto one line. So um, I put in a support call, Quick Smart, and it was very difficult to explain. So I even recorded a video of it doing it with um, the shortcut keys emblazoned across it so they could see what was happening. And they got back to me and they said, um, this is the way that Evernote is handling um, the copying and pasting of HTML at the moment. And we won't be changing it anytime soon, but I will log it as a bug report. 
And I thought, well, it couldn't possibly have always handled it that way, because if it did, my notes would always have done that, and they haven't. So um, I was greatly peeved that I, I had about 40 to 50 different notes in this format, and I'm going to have to go through them all and recreate them or reformat them, because if I want to see them, they're going to disintegrate before me. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the video so you, so you can see what I'm talking about. And that is happening automatically. So I wasn't pleased that um, I'd gone and created all these notes. I mean, it could have been 500 or 5,000 and the same thing would have happened. Retrospectively, a change to Evernote has meant that all these notes are unusable. So uh, that was an even bigger rant, wasn't it? It was. But that was during the night and you missed that one because um, I was on to support about that one. So uh, you've got to see the video of that one for it to make sense. But um, it wasn't good, that, because I started then thinking, well, what else could they change in the future that would have a negative impact on my notes? So I've made the decision I'm not putting anything but plain text into Evernote. And that way I shouldn't have a problem at all, should I? Shall we put a slash rant there? So end of rant. Good idea. Thank you very much. As trainers and technical authors, we've both used a number of methods to capture screenshots. We've also had a couple more people in our trainers group switching to Macs recently, so we decided that it was time to look at this topic in more detail. Well, since you only use print screen, this should be a nice short section, shouldn't it? Oh, ha ha. Yes, but we all started with print screen, didn't we? Yes, but some of us have moved on. Yeah, and some of us are severely hampered in that department, still using print screen and paint. Oh, my word, a paint. Anyway, talking of paint, uh, I spotted a replacement for something called Mac Paint, which I believe is an old um, application that's shipped with older versions of the OS. And uh, this application, which is called uh, Paint, looks rather like Microsoft Paint. So um, if you ever need to feel at home on your Mac, I'll give you the URL. Oh, thank you. Oh, I know, I'm so kind. Anyway, back to the subject in hand, taking screenshots. And you, on Windows. Yeah, on Windows, um, I'm limited at work because I'm not allowed to install software to pressing the print screen key, which copies the whole screen to the clipboard. And uh, a lot of people are then tempted just to take what's been copied and paste it straight into the final destination app. So uh, usually it's a PowerPoint presentation or a, if you're creating um, a manual, a training guide, for example, into Word. Now that has um, negative effects. It's going to make the file size a lot bigger uh, because of the way it takes the information and stores the information in the clipboard. And there's also the, the issue of the red crosses, which uh, you're going to talk about a little bit later on. I am. I've also seen the most appalling cropping when people want a dialogue box and they take a full screen and then they try and make it smaller. Um, and they either make the, the whole screenshot smaller or they give you the most appalling crop and you can see all the stuff behind it. And then half the time to add insult to injury, they then convert it to black and white as well. Well, Windows does have uh, the fact that you can press Alt and print screen and that would just copy the active dialog box. Not many people know that. No. Not enough people know that and certainly not the people that I've seen creating works of art with it. Now, if you then want to print out what you've just copied, you uh, still need another application because, uh, as I say, it just copies it into the clipboard. So I think that's the whole reason that Microsoft Paint still exists. Well, if but for Microsoft Paint, what would you use then? 
Well, I actually use uh, PaintShop Pro. On, I've got PaintShop Pro on my machine at work, uh, but if I'm on a different machine, then it's either going to be Paint or Microsoft Photo Editor, which is another of these freebies that Microsoft throw into uh, Office. Didn't um, they throw that in for one version and then take it away, though? Uh, well, it's in it's in 2000. I don't uh, think it's in any other version. It's not in Vista. No, it's no. not in Vista. Um, but what I can do in PaintShop Pro is I can crop, I can resize, I can then save it out as a JPEG. And then into Word, I can just do insert picture from file, which makes the file size a lot better. But if we leave your 90s world behind, uh, luckily there is help on hand even in the Windows world, because there's no way I would have been doing that when I was using Windows. And... Um, there was two that I toyed with using, uh, one I use more than the other. There's Snagit and another one called Hypersnap. And Hypersnap was a godsend to me as a technical writer. Um, there was nothing it couldn't capture. So it wasn't a case of having to capture an area and then cut out the little bit you wanted. Um, it could capture all sorts. It could capture individual buttons, dialogue boxes, uh, lists absolutely everything you could capture with that. There was also lots of options for file formats because I wanted... Uh, I know you were talking about JPEGs there to keep the file size down, but for me, I was having these uh, books that I was writing printed, so I needed TIFFs for um, print. I also wanted, once I'd taken the screen capture, to retrospectively position the cursor. Um, so I wanted to uh, put a mouse pointer in a certain place, and the mouse pointer might not have been in the right place when you were taking the screenshot, because you were taking the screenshot. So um, I actually got onto the author and, and suggested the ability to add a mouse pointer retrospectively, and um, he added that feature. So uh, you, it was called the stamp tool, and you could stamp um, a mouse pointer on wherever you wanted. So that was a brilliant feature for me. Um, and the alternative was Snagit, which... Um, that was a screen capture utility as well. It did images and it could do video of um, screens, windows, regions, all sorts of things. My problem with Snagit was it was a bit too resource intensive um, and very tightly integrated with Word. So to go back to what you were talking about, you'd think it would be good that it was integrated in Word, but no, because you had that problem with the file sizes increasing. Um, if you just take a screenshot and you paste it into a document, rather than go into sort of insert image, um, it does paste the whole thing in and it makes it a much, much bigger file size. There was also a huge problem um, you're looking back at this how did we ever cope with this but um, when I first started writing technical materials I was using Word on Windows and it was Word to, uh, Word 97 which was a lot better than 95 so if you had a choice you'd certainly use it and um, it had this problem which I have seen in other versions and even now I've seen reports of this so I don't think it happens as often but what used to happen was you would insert a graphic and however you inserted it, you could copy and paste it or you could use the insert image. However the graphic got in there, all of a sudden, and there was no warning that this would happen, it wasn't anything that you, the user, had done. It just took one on itself and Word wiped out all the graphics. It didn't remove them completely. I know you're sniggering. It didn't remove, a word. No, but, but you were there and the air was blue, wasn't it? Mm. The crosses were red, but the air was blue. Um, it didn't remove the graphics and leave you with nothing. It left you with a, with a frame, a black frame, the size of the graphic and a massive red cross in it. And the first time it happened, I just sat there looking at it, scrolling through this document, thinking, what? 
what? And I'm talking documents here that were maybe 250 pages of a book and it just deleted all my graphics. It wasn't just one, it was the whole lot went. And it was just too bizarre for words. And um, you could replicate it, but as I say, not with any... You couldn't predict when it was going to happen, because if you could predict it, you wouldn't do whatever it was that caused the problem. It would just do it. So um, if you'd pasted the graphics in and you'd not saved them anywhere, you'd lost them completely. Um, so I learned from that. Never, ever paste a graphic straight into a document. Save a copy of it first. Um, I've actually looked that up to see which version it was and if they'd fixed it. Um, and the article reference from the Microsoft Knowledge Base that refers to it is no longer available, sadly. Um, I thought it was because they'd fixed the problem and it, it never reappeared. Um, but it was because the reference number was, I think it was six digits. And there's so many articles in the reference database now that they've gone to nine digits. So it, it's disappeared not for a good reason. But I did find a reference to the to the fault. So I'll have to um, put that up there. It's really worth a read. It was very, very funny. Um, but not funny when you're sat there and all your graphics have disappeared in front of you. So um, not saving them elsewhere makes it very difficult to reuse them. Um, either in other, um, maybe a presentation relating to the same material. Um, or if something happens to your book, your um, Word document or whatever, which happened to me all the time. So you remember that, I'm sure? I do. With Did that ever actually not... happen to you or was it just me ranting? No, it did recall? happen to me. Oh, I, I'm glad. Oh, and for reference, it was fixed apparently in a service pack. But uh, I did find references to that still happening to this day. So um, I don't think they know what causes that, but uh, you wouldn't want to risk it, trust me. Now, Vista has the wonderfully named snipping tool. I'm saying nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Is it another Microsoft Heart-Baked freebie? It is. You actually run it uh, as an application uh, and then you can choose to uh, snip a free form area or a, a whole screen or a rectangle so you can actually draw a rectangle or you can actually navigate your mouse across different windows and it highlights in a particular colour uh, the window that it's going to snap. Although what I found was whatever colour you choose it actually includes that as a border around the uh, image. So I ended up with red borders around my image and I had to go and re-snap them and make them white borders. Oh, fantastic. But the main problem I found was that, for example, I was uh, in Word, Word 2007, I was pointing my mouse at a menu command, and then when I switched to the snipping tool in order to activate it, I actually lost the cursor from the application, the menu disappeared, and it was actually the menu that I wanted to snap. <laughs> so as soon as you take the focus away from your application back onto the snipping tool, you actually lose any any menu command or, or your cursor that if that's what you want to snap. That's the thing. Um, a lot of people just want to take, um, if they do want to take a screen capture, it's just a screen capture to show somebody something. As a technical author, it's a nightmare. You need to be able to show menu commands. You need to be able to show things in certain situations. So you might have to click on something to actually um, expand it first. And the minute you click away, you lose that. Um, hence me having to retrospectively put the mouse pointer on there as well. So um, that was why I used Hypersnap. Hypersnap could snap anything, and that included menus and timed captures and all sorts of things. A timed capture let you set up your screen, tell it, right, in five seconds, take a shot. You get your screen ready, and then it would snap it, um, you know, after five seconds. 
But uh, that was Windows, and if I was on Windows, I'd be using HyperSnap, I really would. Don't know how come anybody could use anything else, and that includes print screen. Oh, dear me. But on the Mac, there's some built-in stuff, so the good news is that it's free. Um, there's um, some very interesting shortcuts, aren't there? Yeah, I tend to use the command shift and uh, yeah, command shift and three and command shift and four uh, on a regular basis to capture an entire screen. Uh, mainly, I use command shift and four um, to capture selection. And the one I find useful is where you can do command shift and four and press the space bar, and then you get the little camera icon. Click on a window, and it actually captures that selected window. I think the only problem with those keyboard shortcuts is they're not really very obvious. I have had at least three people on Twitter in the last month um, who are using a Mac have said, is there an equivalent to the print screen key? Uh, and uh, luckily for them, a lot of people have gone back and given them the right information. And it's like, really? I didn't know it could do that. Yeah, it took me a while to uh, get used to them and remember them. Uh, and there's quite a few other combinations, isn't there? Uh, shift command control and... Three yes, they're very convoluted combinations. I think the worst one's five clicks, uh, five keys and a click, isn't it? Mm. Shift, but, uh, command, you, you control, can... four, space bar, click the window. Yeah, uh, they do. They are a bit confusing, but they can be done. So the good news is, you know, if you get used to them, then at least they're available on every Mac. You don't need any extra software. So um, the Mac certainly got the lead on that. Um, the simplest way to remember it is if you've got the command shift and three and the command shift and four firmly implanted in your head. If you just add in the control key, it will copy the entire screen or a selection to the clipboard. From whence you can paste it in, but you've been warned about pasting in unsaved items. Because uh, if they vanish, then they vanish and you've got to start again. But uh, the worst one was, I said to you, wasn't it? It's like playing Twister on the keyboard. Mm. It's shift command, control four and the space bar. And then you've got to click the window. And what that does is um, it captures just the selected window and sends it to the clipboard. So uh, that became known as uh, five keys and a click. But um, that was a bit too much for me. <laughs> that really was very confusing. I actually like the way that it will, uh, obviously, if you don't hold down the, the um, control key, uh, just save it to the desktop as a file, which Windows never did. So at least you've got a file there straight away. And if you're working you know, with a desktop shown, then yes, you can you can certainly work with it from there. Um, but that has problems of its own. Mm. There are some other combinations as well uh, with those Command Shift F3, Command Shift F4s. Um, if you press the space bar whilst you're holding those keys down, then it uh, locks the size of the selected region uh, instead of moving it when the mouse moves. Uh, you can hold the shift key down to resize only one edge of the selected region and you can hold the option key, otherwise known as the alt key, to actually resize the selected region with its centre point as the anchor point so it'll resize it in both directions as well. And we'll put all that information into the show notes. I'm actually reading that and it still makes no sense. <laughs> that is um, getting very complicated. I think it? it's one of those things you've got to try, isn't it? Yeah, it's like the shortcut key. Once you know what the shortcut key is, you probably couldn't tell somebody, but you'd look at your keyboard and then you'd be able to tell them. And the default file format for all of that, when it has saved them, as um, you said, a default file format is PNG and the default location is it saves them to the desktop. The good news is you can change that uh, either via terminal commands or free tweaking apps. Um, and the one I've tried is Tinker Tool. Uh, it does work because I tried it while I was locking the dock on my father's machine. 
Ah, oh, Tinker Tool for all the things parental controls forgot. And um, it worked very well. It's just two options. Uh, I think it's a tick in a box where you can you can choose um, the location uh, or the file format, and then you can go and choose a location as well. But what I did before I changed it with Tinker Tool was um, I set I had Hazel, um, which is um, I think we've talked about Hazel before, haven't we? We've recommended it. It's um, an application that that like watches what you do and then tidies up after you. You configure it, and what I did was I configured it to rename the snaps and copy or move them to a different location. And uh, the good reason to use that is you can actually have it copy them somewhere and then move the file somewhere. So uh, I, had all, I had the thing automatically making backups for me as well, which I also do with scans and I have had scans go awry. So instead of having to rescan stuff, um, I have this automatic backup archive that I can go to. So um, you can do all of that. That helps you with the built-in stuff. And um, Hazel is paid for. I think it's quite cost-effective. But Tinker Tool is free. And uh, you don't have to get your hands dirty in the terminal to make the built-in commands behave much, much better. So with all that uh, stuff there for taking screenshots built-in, why did you try other stuff? Because it was all too complicated <laughs> with five keys and a click. <laughs> And I'm always on the hunt for the perfect application. You should know me by now. Um, but seriously, I was looking for something um, what I was hoping would be as powerful and as configurable as HyperSnap was on Windows. So um, the first thing I tried was Snaps Pro. Um, now, I was recommended that for two reasons. One was to take the screenshots. And the second reason was I was looking for something to capture um, video, uh, desktop video with as well. Um, but I found Snaps Pro a little bit annoying. Um, the first thing was it integrated completely with the machine. So it ran on startup and it hijacked the inbuilt keys. So I couldn't use the inbuilt keys, which at the moment I, I do do, as well as all the other applications that I have, depending on what sort of shot I want to take. Um, you can't do that with Snaps Pro. Um, you'd have to set it so it didn't use those keys, etc. And um, I was actually told at the Apple store with that uh, in my very early days using it that uh, they'd installed it and they couldn't uninstall it. Um, now, I'm sure there is an uninstaller. There must be by now. But um, they actually warned me off that application. Um, it, it worked. It, it did take the, the um, screenshots, but I was never quite keen on it, to be honest. Uh, did you try that one? Yeah, I did. And I don't know if it was just my perception, but I think it actually slowed my whole machine down. I got that perception and I wondered if it was me, because instead of it just taking a screenshot, you instigate your, your magic keystroke um, and it brings up a palette and you then have to start choosing things. Um, and I think you, you, you could change the file format, you could change the location, etc., the size of it, uh, you have to write down to whether there was a border on it and things. Um, but it just felt clunky somehow. Bringing up the palette, you, you seem to have been slowed down. And at the um, Mac group, um, the guy who was in charge, John, said, um, you know, you can do that with some built-in keys. And I did a comparison between what the Mac gives you by default and what Snaps Pro was giving you. And I'd noticed that um, Snaps Pro doesn't have any transparency behind it. So if I took a screenshot of something like, um, and what I did was the real player, and the real player has one corner that's rounded, um, and what I was getting back was where it should have been transparent, it was black. So S Snaps Pro wasn't even giving me um, as good a snap as the inbuilt options. 
so um, the transparency was non-existent but as I say it did do video capture but to be honest I thought it was slow and clunky for anything other than just occasional use um, and not to mention expensive it was $69 uh, for the pro version so um, if I was using it only occasionally then I, it probably wouldn't have annoyed me as much but then you've got the problem like Mike said that it just slowed the machine down so if I was only using it occasionally I wouldn't want it to slow the machine down and uh, if I was only taking one every now and then I think I'd live with the built-in stuff which is uh, more than adequate but I moved on and my next app was Skitch and um, Skitch was something a couple of years back uh, the early summer of 2007 um, they had a lot of hype going on it was originally an invitation only beta and I was lucky enough to be given an invitation to this beta program by Mike B and um, I gave it a go and uh, I must admit I love the idea it had a, an interface that was uh, amazingly modern and uh, it did a lot but it didn't click with me right away I think it was because uh, at that point I wasn't doing much technical writing and I would have looked at the um, features that they were pushing in Skitch, which was collaboration and sharing and uh, annotating things and sending them to, to buddies and, and think not think in terms of um, a professional screen capture application. So, um, But in the end, I started using it on a more regular basis for the speed. And it's very quick to use. Um, it does allow you to put in a lot of annotations, so it's fantastic for marking things up and then quickly emailing them. Um, I was looking at it again the other day while I was thinking about doing this and um, there's watermarking in there which you actually tried, didn't you? I did. Um, it's it's one, once you set the watermark up and it's text only, then it will apply it to all the snaps that you take. So you've got to turn it off. You can't do it on a snap by snap basis without remembering to turn it off. But uh, it's a nice little feature. Saves you having to go out and get a, another watermarking application. Well, considering that Skitch can... Um snap from anywhere including dvds and videos which um, the inbuilt one can't do it won't allow you to snap at all if you're playing a dvd for instance um, then to be able to put a watermark on it at all i, th I think it's a cool feature um, it's got a great interface especially when it comes to exporting there's no going through long-winded dialog boxes and making selections you can change the file name in a text box at the bottom of the window you can change the file format from the same place and then there's a sort of tab that sticks out of the bottom and you can just drag and drop so you can drag and drop it to email um, you can drag and drop it to your desktop or you can drag and drop it anywhere else um, and the sketch window sort of shrinks down it's probably the fastest way to email um, a screenshot that, that I've seen. And there's actually a hosted element to it as well. You set up an online Skitch account and um, that's deceptively powerful. Uh, I've uploaded a few things to it and that uh, you can elect to have... Um, you can copy when you've when you've uploaded, you can copy um, a link to the page. You can copy a link just to the image which is completely private, so nobody would, would know that it was you that had actually uploaded that image. Uh, you can choose to copy an embed link, um, a link to the full size. You can even copy um, a forum link and then uh, use it to paste into a forum. And you can elect whether you have a public image, whether it's a secret URL, or whether it's completely private and only you can see it with a password. So uh, when I was looking at the online stuff, I thought actually this has got a lot more power to it than uh, I'd initially thought. Only problem with it is it is in beta so and it's been in beta for over two years. 
So it seems to be perpetually in beta, and I'm not sure where they're um, thinking of taking it. Yeah, it's not listed on their website either, Plask. No, it's from a company called Plask.com, and uh, it did used to be on their website. And I had the same problem as you. When I came to install it, obviously uh, my sick iMac died a death, and uh, I didn't have it installed at all on this alternative machine I'm using. So I went to Mac Update. Well, actually, I went to Plask to try and download it to install, and um, it wasn't there. So I went to Mac Update, downloaded it, installed it, everything was fine. When I went to my laptop that I did have it on, uh, when I tried to run it, it told me that the, the beta was out of date and to download another one. So I clicked the link and it said it was downloading and it downloaded and it installed it. And then it ran and it told me the beta had run out. And I thought, well, I've, I've just updated that. So I clicked the button again and it told me that I had the latest version and the beta had run out. So I thought, well, you know, it's not like that on the other machine. So I went back to the other machine and the version that you download from Mac Update is uh, 0.1 release higher than the one that um, the internal updater is updating to. So that doesn't bode well to me. That looks as though maybe they're supporting it less than they were. Mm. And they're certainly not adding much to it anymore. It's a pity because I've owned, I have looked at it, I suppose, superficially compared to the depth you've been in on it. Uh, but what I have seen and what I have used, I really like the uh, annotation feature and the fact that you can just drag and drop it out to the desktop or drag and drop it into an email is really useful. Uh, and it also integrates well with the camera. It does, the yeah. built-in camera. That was one of the very few, I think, that did integrate into the camera. And you could also open other images in it from elsewhere. Um, so it linked in with uh, iPhoto and Aperture as well. So you could quickly drag and drop an image in from there and annotate and, and send that on. So that one, to be honest, I think was probably the most powerful one. Um, I, I'd like an official word from them on where they're going with that. Because um, I'd worry. Obviously they're still releasing betas, but uh, it doesn't feel quite right at the moment. So uh, another one I tried, which was just for quick sharing really, was called GrabUp. And this allows you to make a capture and upload it instantly. Problem with it is it hijacks the default keys and if you forget that you're running it, um, it's uploading stuff in the background. So uh, if you think, oh, I'll just take a screenshot of that credit card transaction. Uh, if you forget it's running, then it's uploading it in the background. Another problem is it's got long URLs and they are really, really long. Um, and there's advertising on the hosted service. You can get round that by putting a direct um, tag on the end of your URL, but then again, the URL is long enough to start with. You've also got no history. So if you uploaded one yesterday, if you can't find it, uh, you know, you'd have to go around and upload it again. There isn't an account either. Now, you can upload to your own server with that one uh, if you pay um, for the software. So it's free if you want to use their service, but you have to pay if you want to use your own. And um, I'm not quite sure where they're going either. They've been promising a Windows version forever. I don't know if that's available yet, but they actually lost their domain at Christmas and Twitter was alive with people saying, "What's where's GrabUp gone? And um, they'd let the domain lapse. They got it back, but it doesn't augur well, does it? But it's uh, amazing to um, give you a quick way to share via your instant messaging. Um, for Twitter, the long URLs aren't particularly great, um, but it's free, so uh, you can't really say, say fairer than that, can you? And if you want to upload to your own server, then it's $20.
Now the good news is there's a new contender about to be launched uh, which seems like it might compete with Grabhub. It's called Tiny Grab and you, you can uh, go and have a look at that at tinygrab.com. That's a project run by Chris Layden from Key One Productions. So um, it's in beta at the moment due to be launched next month. So um, I think I'll have to take a look at that one as well. So much software, so little time. Mm, I know the feeling. Indeed. And then there's the one that I think a lot of people are going to have, which is Little Snapper. Uh, Little Snapper came in a bundle. It must have been the Mac Heist bundle. It was, it one was of the, the Mac uh, Heist bundle. It was one of the... Um, what, what do they call them? The um, unlocked apps, if they sold enough, I think it was. And... Um, it was, and so a lot of people will have that. I'd already purchased that a good few months before. I had high hopes for Little Snapper as soon as the beta was announced. And uh, it does have some really unique features. It snaps in PNG format again. Uh, it snaps to a library. Now, Skitch has got a library, but the library in Little Snapper is much more like an iTunes library or an iPhoto library. Um, and I've actually got mine set up to share this library via Dropbox. So I have this library, it's about 260 meg mine, I've got over a thousand screenshots in it. Um, so it's 260 meg, but the library when you snap to it, instead of saving the whole library, it just adds to it. So it works brilliantly via Dropbox. So um, I have Little Snapper running on, on only one machine at a time. I wouldn't try and uh, get it to write to the same library at the same time from different machines. But uh, I shut it down on one machine and as I go to another I open it up and it's sharing absolutely brilliantly. You can tag the screenshots that you've taken and you can rate them as well. You can put a long description in. So it is very like iPhoto. Uh, you can organise with groups and smart groups based on the tags that you specify and the ratings. And there is an online element to it which is called Quick Snapper. And that's a free hosting service for your images. So you can upload them to Quick Snapper and up there people can add comments. One of the unique features of it is as you browse Quick Snapper, you have an ability to um, look at other people's snapshots and then add it back to your library. So um, I think really it, the people who've designed this have been thinking in terms of um, a, an inspiration library or a precedence library. So as you look around and maybe as a designer you think I like the look of that and you take a screenshot of it. So it's perfect for that. Um, it drags out, you can drag out uh, your images. So if you want to create an email, you'd have to drag and drop the image out of it. Um, the problem with it is it drags and drops out a full quality PNG and some of them are a bit big for emailing purposes. I'd like an ability to um, select JPEG for that or even better um, integration with the ability to right click and say send via email or maybe send via email and choose the quality. But um, it's a Revision 1 product, really, and I know that they are adding to it all the time. So um, I have high hopes that it may improve and um, compete with all the others. At the moment, it's $39 for a single license, so it's one of the more expensive ones as well. But um, it has got some nice, unique features. And the ability to snap just elements of a web page is uh, very cool. Instead of having to draw around the bit you want and try and get it pixel perfect, you can use what's called a DOM capture, which is it will use the um, object model of, of the web page to allow you to drill down through it. So um, that is pretty unique, that feature, and it works very, very well. That's the bit I thought was very cool when you showed it to me. 
Yes, just the price then, because I know you found something that was, um, shall we say, better value? Yeah, if, if all you want to do is take um, screenshots, basic screenshots, then something called Instant Shot, which is totally free, is uh, high on my list. It has an icon on the menu bar, and you can then choose for each shot that you take, uh, whether to snap the whole screen or a rectangular area, and you can actually choose the rectangular area so you can draw it out. And with multiple monitors, you can actually select which screen to snap. You can also do a timed shot, and you can also do multiple shots as well, uh, which would probably work quite well, I think, on a, a DVD or a TV programme with our ITVs. Uh, I suppose you'd have to set it to do every one second, and you'd end up with a heck of a lot of shots, but it's, it's something that I think would work well. But for each one, you can actually choose whether to save it as a JPEG or a TIFF or a PNG, or even send it to the clipboard. So there is a lot of configuration there and you can also configure hotkeys, you can configure the quality of the JPEG, you can choose whether to include the cursor or not, which is something that you mentioned earlier on, uh, I think, Hypersnap. And I think that's one of the very few that allow you to do that. I've not seen that on any other Mac app. No, I don't I was think quite surprised when you showed me that, um, that that one was free and it had that ability. The other thing I like is the ability to customise um, a prefix to the file name. So you can have static text, you can have things like the date, the time, the username. So all in all, for simple screenshotting, that's one that I like. That actually is really beneficial because um, one of the problems with Little Snapper is when it saves a file, it saves it as untitled. So you could end up with a library full of 500 untitled snaps. So if you come to drag and drop them out, uh, they all try and be called untitled. So the ability to uh, have what I tend to name them as is uh, the date and time. And that's pretty much unique. Um, but the file naming options that are available in Instant Shot, I was really impressed. And that's a free app. Yeah. Ah, but then I also had another one. Oh, I'm never outdone with software. Uh, this one's called Layers and um, completely different in concept. Uh, it's the only application I've found that takes a screenshot. But what it does is it separates the screen elements to either layers, what it calls a bunch of files, or it can save as a composite. Now, saving as a composite is where it just takes a screenshot, uh, which is what all the others do. But the, what's unique to layers is the ability to save as layers or save as a bunch of files. So what it does is it creates a screenshot of your desktop um, and it creates a layered TIFF file with optional groups. And the groups um, group the applications together. So imagine you're taking a screenshot of your desktop. You've got two finder windows open. What you would find in your layered TIFF file is a group called finder. And then underneath that, you'd have all the elements of the first finder window and all the elements of the second finder window. Uh, the menu is treated as a, as a group as well. So you'd have a group called menu and then each icon that's on your menu would be saved within that group to its own transparent layer. So if you only wanted a single element, um, it's brilliant to be able to isolate it from the rest of it. Now, the problem is it's going to give you a file that's rather large with a lot of layers in it. And you would need an application um, that could access those layers. 
So maybe a better way to do it, if you do just want that single element, you can use um, an app, the um, a feature of the application, which is the inspector window. You can bring that inspector window up and then use that to drill down to just the element and save just that item. So say I wanted um, a copy of the volume icon off the menu. I can bring up the inspector, I can find the menu, drill down a level, drill down a level, get to the um, volume icon, just click on that and then say save that and it will save that out to uh, an individual file and it's the right size so I don't have to worry about cropping or getting rid of any elements so um, I didn't find another one that could drill down to that particular level. So that one's great for advanced captures. It can save an absolute ton of time trying to remove elements after the fact. Um, that is a paid for one. That is $19.95. Um, it's again pretty new. It's still in version one, but uh, they are still working on it and bringing out updated versions with extra features. So um, I think actually that's it for all the ones I've looked at. Um, I certainly haven't tried all the ones that are out there, so we'd love to hear from listeners if you've got one that we've not tried, especially if you think it's my perfect app. And my perfect app, I think, would be um, a hybrid of all of them, as ever. Never satisfied me. Uh, I'd like the library from Little Snapper with the annotation tools from Little Snapper and Sketch. I'd like the mouse pointer stamping tool from Hypersnap with the export options from Sketch with the timing and naming features from Mike's Instant Shot, the online features of Quick Snapper and Sketch merged together, the layering that um, Layers has got, with an instant upload like GrabUp, with the short URLs from TinyGrab. So um, have I missed anything out there, do you think? You've not asked for much, have you? No, but if there's any developers out there who would like to build that for me, I'd be very grateful. <laughs> and the price of Instant Shots, which, uh, just to remind you, is free. Yeah, now perfect. I mean, what what could be better than that app? Absolutely perfect. So let's move on to uh, the feedback that we've had uh, this week. Stargate John, um, he put some comments in the show notes from the, the last episode about um, different uh, capture programs, but to the ones that he mentioned were all video ones. And that's actually going to be something that we'll be looking at in the future. And something that you've um, spent some money on? Yeah, I did. I took advantage of a special Twitter discount for ScreenFlow and I'll talk more about that in a future episode. And we heard from Amanda this week who um, had to ask her dad who Colin Welland was after my comment last week. Oh, thank you so much for that. Now I feel incredibly old because I remember 1982 the first time round. So um, I'm going to go away and lick my wounds about that. Well, I pass over to you for the next one, Mike. I'd like to say hello to Nick. Uh, thanks for the uh, comment. But uh, what do you mean by almost English accents? I'm hoping it's because he's sort of on the border of Scotlandish. Mm. Mm. Lucy C had no problems with version 3, but uh, she too had the disappearing app problem from um, iTunes. Uh, you'll be glad to know that my apps did come back eventually and I'm able to update them. Yes, but it's strange that that keeps happening. But there you go. My backup took forever. <laughs> anyway, on to events and um, a quick review of MacBytes Live last week, where Mike looked at Word documents and uh, I looked at InDesign. And as we said on the night, that was because um, I won't touch Word and Mike doesn't know InDesign. 
So uh, we did that as a two-hander and that did half each. And the chat went on until well past midnight, uh, punctuated only by the sad news about Michael Jackson. But it was a night for interruptions because um, as we were um, doing our demonstration of uh, said software live, we, uh, as I think we've mentioned, we've been very lucky with recordings actually of MacBytes. We're on the ambulance route for, um, it seems, several of the local hospitals. And uh, we always said, you know, you know what's going to happen, an ambulance is going to go past and that uh, we'll have to wait. And uh, that was the night. That was the night that an ambulance went careering past. We had to have the windows open because it was so warm. And uh, not only did the said ambulance go past, but that set the dog off. So um, for everyone who was there, they were laughing like hyenas because we had this ambulance careering past outside and the dog howling away at the poor thing. So um, Mike had to leave and go and deal with the dog as I'm sat there trying to keep a straight face and carry on with it. So um, I can't guarantee as much excitement in the next Map Bites Live, but we will be going live on the 16th of July and uh, it will be all about how to get video and audio onto the web in Flash. So uh, the creation, editing and converting and then how to stream audio and video. Uh, onto a website. So if you want more information about that, go to www.digital-iq.co.uk and uh, you can read all about it. And another event, uh, the Northwest Mac User Group are having a meeting on the 9th of July and they're taking a look at iWork09. And they meet at Grappen Hall near Warrington and you can get all the details on the website at nwmug.co.uk. Well, that's it for this episode of MacBytes. As always, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, your comments and your queries by email to macbytesuk at gmail.com or feel free to send us an audio file. You can keep up with what we're up to via the website at macbytes.co.uk and Twitter at twitter.com slash macbytes and your personal Twitter is twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And mine is twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. So until next time, this has been Mike and Elaine bringing you Mac Bites. Goodbye and see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>